Good evening, church. Usually when I preach, I'm expecting a response back from everyone, but since you're on video right now, I'll just assume you responded to me. As many of you can tell, I'm not David Duncan. I am his younger and much better looking son-in-law. Uh, he's asked me to preach for him this evening, and he's told me that lately he's been doing sermons on devotional songs. And so tonight, I want to take us back to a devotional song that many of you might have sung in youth group or when you were younger. But it's a song that I would sing a lot around the campfire at my camp. And it's a song that comes from Psalm 119, 105, and as you'll see on the next slide right here. Psalm 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp unto my feet. And the song we get from that is, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. That song begins with a chorus, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. And as you can tell, I'm not a song leader, so I didn't do that very well. But we get this song. It, it seems like it's, there's not a lot to it. It's pretty simple. But although the song can seem simple, we should not take its message lightly. There's really a lot that goes into the song that we may not realize. So if you want to turn in your Bibles, we're going to be in Psalm chapter 119 tonight. And we're going to start in verse 105 in a second. But to give you some background on Psalm 19, it's one of the longest psalms in the Bible. Psalm 119 is often called the alphabet of divine love. And it gets its name because Psalm 119 is divided into 22 sections. And there are 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet. And so each section of Psalm 119 is divided into eight verses. And each verse begins with that corresponding letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So section one is called Aleph. And verses one through eight, the first verse begins with the Hebrew word that begins with Aleph, which is our A. Verses 9 through 16 start with the letter Beit, which is our B. And it goes on so down and so forth. And all the way we get down to Psalm 119, verses 105 through 112. And we get the Hebrew letter Nun. And this is what Psalm 119, 105 through 112 begins with in these first four verses. Here's what it has to say. <clears throat> Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. I have taken an oath and confirmed it, that I will follow your righteous laws. I have suffered much. Preserve my life, Lord, according to your word. Accept, Lord, the willing praise of my mouth and teach me your laws. And so Psalm 119.105 opens up with this phrase, your word is the lamp for my feet. In the original Hebrew audience would have heard this and said, your word, they would have thought of God's word. And their minds would have immediately gone to the Torah, which we may not think of the word Torah as much, but you might know of it as the Pentateuch, which is essentially the first five books of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those five books were so important for them. And that's where they knew God's law. And that's what this person is asking. And he's saying, God, your word, your law, is a lamp for my feet. But the Torah was just not a law in the legal sense. It was just not commandments and teachings, but it was and is a testament to God's will and his actions. That's what these people were yearning for. They were saying, God, give me your word and let it guide my way. Let it show me what I'm going to do. Because I've made a promise. I want to follow you. I want to do what you tell me to do as long as your word is guiding me. And as Christians, we want to follow God as well. 
His word is a lamp for our feet. While those people had five books of the Torah to follow God, we have 66 books say that we can follow him through. The Bible is a 66-book love letter of compassion, love, grace, and God's law that shows us the way. They had five, and we have 66. We have so much more to go on. It tells us so much about God, and that's what we need to guide us in everything that we're doing. Like the psalmist, we need God to be our lamp to show us the way, to brighten our path, that no matter which way we're going, we're following God and where he wants us to go to. No matter the path set before us, we need to go down the one God leads us. Because there are many paths of life, but there's only one way we should follow. Eventually in our lives, we all come to a fork in the road. And what's important is that at the fork of the road, the path we choose will make all the difference. There was a poem written by Robert Frost that many of you might have heard before, and it's pictured in this wonderful picture right here. But it begins with this phrase. Two roads diverged in a yellow wood. And sorry I could not travel both, and being one traveler, long I stood. And so the traveler comes to a fork in the road. It's metaphorical, it's literal. But wherever they are, they're on their journey. They're trying to get somewhere. And as they get to the fork in the road, they try to decide, well, which path should I take? So they look to the one direction and they say, mm, I can't really see far down that path. You know, there's lots of dense forests and woods, and so I can't really tell where I'm going. And they look the other direction and say, well, that's not as bad. You know, it's pretty leafy and it's pretty, it's not as worn. And so maybe that would be a good path. And so they go back and forth and back and forth, but eventually they have to make a decision. And so they decide to take the path that is less worn and leafy. And after they have gone on their path and as they continue to go along, they realize, I don't really know if that was the right path to take. You know, I wanted to say that other path for later, but I'm not sure if I'm ever going to get to go down that path anymore. I'm not really sure if I'm going to be able to go do that. And I, I just don't know if I made the right choice. And so Robert Frost ends his poem by saying, two roads diverged in a wood, and I, I took the one less traveled. And that has made all the difference. There are so many paths on our lives, and the one that we choose will make all the difference. When we talk about taking different paths, whether it's different decisions or whatever it is, we can choose the ones we want to go on, but there's only one that God is letting us down. Sometimes it'll turn and curve, but God has us on a set path. With all of the options set before us, we begin to think about what's going to be best for us. We weigh our options by the best personal gains. We think, well, how is this gonna benefit me personally, physically, financially? Is this the best emotional decision for me? We think about, what is going to be good for us? It's all about all of our interest. And often we get in the mindset of, my path is controlled by my decisions because my interests are most important. It's all about me, 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 the three greatest people in the room. But when we're focused on our path and our decisions, we're leaving God out of the equation. 
And that's not what Psalm 119 is telling us. So let's continue reading in Psalm 119 and see what it's continually telling us in this passage. It says, though I constantly take my life into my own hands, as we said, it's me, 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 I, I, I. The psalmist writes, I will not forget your law. The wicked have set a snare before me, but I have not strayed from your precepts. Continuing on, it says, your statutes are my heritage forever. They are the joy of my heart. My heart is set on keeping your decrees to the very end. We often think our life is in our own hands, but the reality is that our lives are in God's hands. He's in control of everything. And although we want to take control of it, we can't forget God. It's his law that we're following. If we were going to go down our own path, we might think, oh, it's great. I'm going to get all this personal stuff, all the things that I want. But we're going to get lost. We're going to go down dark paths. And we might be led into the path that has the snare, has the one that is not good for us, but it seems really tempting, but in the end destroys our lives. We need to follow God's path. He's giving us the light and showing us the way, and we need to follow him. And as we're doing that, the one thing I want to say is when we're following God's path, it's not always easy. You know, there are going to be some struggles and some hardships along the way, but I'm reminded when there are struggles and hardships, I'm reminded of what Paul says in his letter to the Philippians. Although his conditions were terrible, his life was in danger, he was probably sick and dying, he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And we can get through all these things and we can get through the path that God is leading us on no matter the pain, the heartache, as long as we are with God. We might get overwhelmed by the stress of life, but it can be overcome and outlasted with God. Without God, our path is uncertain. In all circumstances, in all paths, we have to make the decision to follow God. Let his word be a lamp and a light for our paths. And I've been so passionate about this passage recently is because I feel like right now, my wife Annabeth and I, this is really what we've been doing in our lives. And so this past December, we were really excited because I'd gone to grad school for two and a half years. I got my master's degree. This is what we wanted to do. And we knew it was time that we would start to look for church jobs, that this was the time that we would get to move on and start full-time ministry. The thing that was really important is we had to find a job before the end of May because my job at the time was tied to our housing. So if we didn't find somewhere to go and a job, we were going to be homeless. And so in January, Annabeth and I, we started looking for jobs. Uh, we looked at every Church of Christ ministry job board, job board page. I applied to jobs in Texas, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, Virginia, California, I think West Virginia, Florida, Colorado. I mean, essentially, if there was a Church of Christ out there looking for a job, the right ones, my resume was in their inbox. I think by the end of it, I had applied to over 35 churches. And they were all churches that I found. All the ones that I thought would be good for us. And so by the time mid-February and mid-March rolled around, we knew we were still coming up on the deadline. But I was talking to churches. 
I had a phone call, a Zoom interview every two or three days. I was emailing people back and forth. And we were starting to go in to talk to churches and imagining what it would be like to be there. All the churches that I'd found. There was a church that was about 30 minutes from the college campus, and they were looking for a youth minister. And I was excited about that, and there was a lot of other ministry opportunities there that I thought would have been really good. And it was at a decent-sized church, and so I thought, oh, this is nice. And then there was going to be opportunities for me to preach there, and so I thought, well, that's what I really want, just opportunities to preach. And so that could be a really good church for us. And then there was another church that wanted to offer me a full-time preaching job, which for a person at my age getting offered a full-time preaching job is unheard of sometimes because you need so much experience. And they wanted to give me a preaching job, a decent salary, and a house, which would eliminate a lot of the problems of having to pay for housing. And so that would be really easy for us. And so I thought, OK, well, this is probably where God is leading us. And then there was another church. It was farther away than I think Annabeth and I had realized at first. But it was a good-sized church. There were going to be lots of opportunities for us there. And there would be good chances for us to have friends get to know people, be rooted somewhere. And we thought, okay, this could be really where God wants us to go. Those were all the churches that I'd found. I was thinking about what was best for us. And I know it sounds ironic to say, but I, I, I wasn't thinking about where God wanted us to go. In mid-February, David had gone to a dinner with someone, and they'd asked how Annabeth and I were doing. And David said that we were looking for a ministry job. And he said, oh, OK, well, have them reach out to me because there's a church in South Texas looking for a preacher. And so David gave me the guy's number. and He worked for OC. And so I texted him. And within two hours, I was in his office. And we were talking about this church. I didn't really think a lot about it at first because, like I said, we'd already been interviewing at so many places that to throw another church in there was just really not going to be worth it. But I talked to the guy. And then he called one of the ladies from the church. And he put her on speaker. They talked for 20 minutes. The only thing I said in the 20-minute conversation was hi. But the, those, that one word, hi, was convinced her enough that I needed to send my resume to her and for her to send it to her, her elders. And so I walked away from the conversation thinking, this could be a good place, but we already have so many other options. It's kind of late in the game. I think less than a week later, we had already bought tickets to go see them. That was the path that God was leading us down. And we, the more we thought about it, we're like, this is where God wants us to go. But we have all these other churches and that they're going to be great, but maybe this is where God is pushing us. Things went really wrong for us in mid-March mid because COVID. All our trips were canceled. We couldn't go see places. And so the trip we had planned to go see the church in South Texas was canceled. As the months went on, we still didn't have a job. And like I said, we were really scared because we were going to be homeless. We didn't have anywhere to live, and we didn't have a job. I spent the past two years getting a degree. I thought it would open a lot of doors for me, and I felt like God had closed a lot of them when he canceled all our trips. Over the next few months, churches began to offer me jobs. I was excited. They began saying, hey, we want to give you the salary. We want you to come to our church. We just need you to sign the dotted line. And I said, well, there's this one church in South Texas I haven't visited yet. So how about this? How about you let me go visit them, then I'll let you know. Which telling someone, wait for me to accept the job, probably isn't the best and smartest idea. And almost all the churches who offered me jobs said, well, no, it's us or them. Choose the solid offer or choose to go somewhere that hasn't even offered you a job. And so we told them no. And we didn't know when we were going to go visit them. 
And so it was a really hard time for us. The end of the story is we were able to go visit them in early, late May, early June. We went there, we loved it, and we accepted the job there. I tell you this long story to say we felt like God was leading us on this path to this church in Harlingen, Texas. From the beginning, we were really unsure about it, but we really felt like that's where he wanted us to go. We felt like this was his path. We're not fully sure why he wants us there yet, but that's where he wants us to go. So I tell you that in light of Psalm 119.105 to remind us that God's word is a lamp for my feet. We feel like God is leading us there, and we're going to go. And it's going to be a little bit scary for us at first, but we're going to get through it because we're going to go with God. The reason the second time I tell you that story is the second part is God's path is hard sometimes. We didn't know where we were going to live for a long time. We had a lot of pain. There were nights where I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating a lot. I wanted to punch holes in the walls because I thought, why God, why can I not just get a job and make this all work out? It's just too hard right now. And I wanted to scream and shout. But the thing is that God's path does not omit pain. But including God in our paths helps us overcome that pain and that heartache. If you want to go on the best path with God, you have to keep him there. And that means all the time when it's convenient. So that doesn't mean when another path opens up, oh, well, I'm just going to go follow that, but I'll come back. But it's no, it's sticking with him at all times of our lives and never leaving him, always letting his light guide us. The song, Thy Word is Lamp Unto My Feet, there was a second verse that I, I hadn't heard before, but the second verse of the song goes like this. I will not forget your love for me, and yet my heart is wandering. Jesus, be my guide. And hold me to your side, and I will love you until the very end. Jesus is with us in the beginning of our journeys. He's with us on our paths, and he's pointing us in the right direction whenever we come to a fork in the road. Sometimes you'll have forks in the road. Sometimes you'll have many forks, but God is only leading us down one path. So the question I want all of us to ask tonight is, are you on God's path? Are you following the one that he's leading you down? Because I'll tell you this. Back in Robert Frost's poem, he says, the path I chose has made all the difference. Choosing God will make all the difference in your life.